0: They say in life that we sometimes find ourselves in the middle of nowhere, but it's in the middle of nowhere where we sometimes find ourselves. Finding our place in this world can be riveting, yet perplexing at the same time. But would you say we're all headed for the same destination? What do you think it would be like to discover yourself in a brand new world, culture, and language? You think you'd be up for it? Well, today, we meet a foreign expat here in Beijing who did just that. It's commonly thought that having a big mouth is not a good thing in any culture. But what if you could actually make that work out for you? Well, let's meet our guest today.
1: I'm Hilda Mondigo and I am a TV host slash editor at Star Times Company. I have been in China for seven years now and I have two motos uh, with faith. You can always make it. And the other one is we're always going to fall. So keep trying and get back up and just keep going.
0: Meet Hilda, a Zimbabwean native who made it all happen in the capital, Beijing. From a small farm in Chigutu to the towering buildings along Chang'an Street, you could probably imagine the enormous adaptation that would have to happen to make life work in this brand new place. But how did it all begin? Why would anyone leave it all behind to start over again somewhere unknown? Were there any concerns at all? Well, in the Shuangjing area of Beijing, we met with Hilda at a tea house. Over a few cups of tea, we got her to answer some of those questions and a whole lot more. Here's how we started. So Hilda, thank you so much for taking the time to have this interview with us. So let's first start with your background. Tell us a little bit about home.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, Well, I'm a bit of a farm girl, if I should say, because like back home, I stay in a very small town. I'm not this like big city type of girl back home. I stay like on a farmhouse, cows and goats and ducks and turkeys all up in it, picking up eggs in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of like my life back home. And it's just The weather was great, sunny. You've got all your friends there, family.
0: Sounds pretty idyllic at this point, but here's how the plot thickens a little bit. On the subject of why she decided to become an expat and how China became a part of the equation, here's what she said.
1: So I was still studying. I was still doing my high school years. And then before I finished my complete six years of high school, like something clicked in my head. I was tired of wearing school uniforms. And um, I pleaded to my parents. I was like, I'm tired of teachers. I am tired of uniforms. Why don't we find something new here? So then my dad dad and I made this agreement. We're like, okay, listen, if you finish your O-levels, so it's kind of like a standard um, back home. So if you do your O-levels, your Cambridge O-levels, you get like your good grades. And then after that, you can start applying abroad to see what you like. I was like, hmm, all right, I like this challenge. So I did my O-levels flying colors because girl was motivated (laughs) my dad of course he couldn't back out of it because i was like this is what you said and i delivered um hello so then we quickly applied to different countries but i remember we were in geography and Our teacher and his wife, they didn't have any kids and they traveled around the world. But he would always mention China, China this, China that, China is forward, China, China. I'm like, what is it about China? Like, it kind of clicked. And then that's when I was like, China, this is my time.
0: Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It seems like all her father had to do was give Hilda the right challenge and voila. But not too much convincing was needed to be captivated by China's many charms. Home to one of the oldest known civilizations on Earth, China is renowned for having the world's largest population by territory with 1.4 billion people and also its uniquely sophisticated culture. The country has developed at record speed to become the second largest economy in the world and holds innumerable attractions for visitors to explore. But for those who might have missed a memo on all this, relocating here would still be a huge obstacle. In Hilda's case, it wasn't her that needed much persuasion. Now, the family, on the other hand, that was a completely different story.
1: Everyone was puzzled. They were like, from where? Besides reading books or learning about it in geography and learning about the Great Wall, that was it. And now I'm like, I want to go to China. They're like, First of all, Zimbabwe was colonized by the British. We would expect you to go to maybe like England or Australia. They speak English. China, girl, you know nothing about China, their language, their food, their culture. This is a big change. I was like, I am ready. I remember my mom and my dad had a little Quarrel because <laughs> my mom was like against it. She was like, no, we're not going to send our child like a basket all the way to China. We don't even know what, what, what it is about. And my dad was like, look, this is what she wants. Why don't we just give her the independence to just go ahead and fly? And keep in mind, I'm like really young here, like really young. So then like, of course, what, what
0: age would you were you in during this time frame?
1: Oh, 17. Okay. <laughs> So my mom had very strong instincts. Like, no, we don't want this. And then finally, my dad and I won. And um, okay, here I you, am.
0: as a team. Huh? Oh
1: yes, it was always my dad and I all the time.
0: So what would you say was your mother's apprehension about China?
1: She was mostly scared about. Okay, so I, I come from a very strong Christian background. Mm-hmm and usually in movies they usually show um, the dragon dances when China's celebrating Chinese New Year and in her head I don't know what she knows about the dragon, well now she knows more because I'm like educated on her. She was always like scared, she was like, what is this all about dragons? I am scared, like, I'm like, mom, it's not, it, <laughs> it's not even like that, like, can you just relax a little bit. And also the fact that the food, she was scared that maybe I was not going to like gel well with the food and the culture and just me being miles and miles and miles away
0: those might be some valid concerns for anyone especially parents but what was hilda's thought process in all of this and was there a connection to the country at all let's hear a little bit more on that and also her first impression when she arrived
1: if i'm being honest i didn't feel connected if i like during the process of me wanting to come here i only started to feel connected once i arrived here that's when i was like this kind of was in the in the motion in the stars a little bit because you know when you, you got here like it's the people the food the culture and how once you get to know more of or have chinese friends and you start to talk about their family dynamics their culture and how everything is done respect and taking care of your elders all of that it kind of makes sense and how my upbringing was when i was growing up so once i got here that's when i actually started to feel connected with china but prior no i had no emotion nothing i just wanted to get out of there
0: a leap of faith huh? yeah well that faith worked so then when you arrived what would you say your first reaction was when you got here wow
1: that's literally it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and wow. and then how did it change over the years if it has?
1: Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> My first reaction. Alright, so I hope the people back home don't eat me because of this. So back home in Zimbabwe we suffer a lot from load shedding, power cuts, electricity is just like always like on and off. It's never constant. So I come here. Everything is lit like a Christmas tree. Buildings, streets, chairs, doors, <laughs> everything is like Christmas lights just blinking at you. I was like, oh my gosh, like you really feel like you are somewhere else here. Oh, I remember a few months ago, because now where I'm at, there are these like uh, robotic carts where like um, they just drive themselves and people like order food and they will just go off these kinds of futuristic and majority of the things that they do and now you're here you're experiencing it you're not just like watching it on the news so when like people see it they're like yeah yeah i bought it from it like two days ago it's fine it's okay like what you guys have robots i'm like yeah like in the shopping mall whatever like you just like talk to them girl where (laughs) you just see them right there but like yeah it's just something that's fun to just experience and know that everyone else might not be privileged to experience that and that you are lucky enough to experience that. Now the funny part was um, my first train ride. Like in Zimbabwe we don't have any like subway stations or any trains, we do, but I've never been on one. So I remember um, entering into line one subway station. Now this was before I knew about rush hour (laughs) so i got in line one it was very empty so it was around 2 to 3 p.m everyone is at work and it was just such a vigorous euphoric experience i honestly thought i was like oh my gosh this train is moving so fast the the sounds and the doors everything was just so magical i remember (laughs) my friend he had been here before like for like two years now he was just looking at me like girl relax i like my face my eyes everything was just twinkling yeah <laughs> i was like i was just seeing gold or something that was it was the most i even still remember that feeling till this day it was just an amazing feeling and i arrived here around this time like spring so like the weather was great oh, it was amazing but then later on i learned of rush hour the <laughs> Boy, oh boy, did that feeling change real fast. Um, Just like the crowding in subway stations, everyone is just trying to get where they're trying to get. There isn't a form of like personal. Then actually, there wasn't any form of like personal space. And keep in mind, a girl is short. I'm always. They've got bars. I'm always like underneath people's armpits. This is summertime. Yeah. So I had to learn real fast to like adjust and maneuver and cool. find my way through that muck of like rush hour You know when you go down the stairs and you just, it's just
0: It's like a sea Yeah <laughs>
1: I was like, what is this? You you stand in line, three trains will pass by and they'll be full, they'll like literally open One person will like <laughs> literally be at the edge of the door <laughs> I'm like, what? But now we are so used to it. Like, you know, the times, like, you know, if you're like two minutes late, you're gonna catch that rush hour real quick. And it's not nice. It's not pleasant at all. But I can say over the years, I don't think the feeling, the excitement has changed just yet. It's still there.
0: An exciting and flabbergasting experience indeed. Over the past decade, China has actually become a global leader in automation. According to the International Federation of Robotics, China is by far the biggest and fastest growing robot market in the world in terms of annual sales and operational stock. Apparently, there's never been such a dynamic rise in a short period of time in any other market. But for those of us who have had the opportunity to witness rush hour in the Beijing metro, you know exactly what Hilda's talking about. Speaking of public transportation, the total railway lines in China is over 146,000 kilometers or 90,000 miles long, which happens to be the second longest railway network in the world. So in other words, China's railway lines can loop around the globe three times. So for commuters and travelers, getting around to every corner of the country is really convenient. Minus the crowds, of course. We've often heard that adjustment is a continuous process. As it was once famously said, the only real constant in life is change. Hilda, a foreign expat in China, continues to share with us her metamorphosis on several fronts. With regards to what has been her most memorable experiences while in the capital, here's what she said.
1: I've had so many. It's hard to pick. I've had so many. I would say um, top two was when I graduated and my mom and dad flew here for about a week. And finally my mom came. So <laughs> I was okay. like so excited for her to come here. And I booked a, a hotel for her right in the hutongs. So I was like, yes, experience the culture. <laughs> but funny enough, she loved it because I was also busy running around.
0: Oh, by the way, for those of you who have no idea what hutongs actually are, The term hutong dates back to the 13th century, and they were simple communal living quarters built surrounding the Forbidden City when the capital was moved to the location of modern Beijing. These days, they're just traditional alleyways of the city. Just an FYI. All right, let's continue.
1: Experience the culture. But funny enough, she loved it because I was also busy running around trying to sort of paperwork and everything. So I would just leave them in the hutongs, and then they could just walk. So they've got shops there, this, that, and... Just hearing their feedback of what China was like, it was just a relief. I'm like, you see, I told you, i would be fine. You are fine, I'm fine. And just the whole celebration of me graduating, them coming. And then the second one was, um, my two sisters came over, I hosted them, and I flew them to Shanghai, we went to the aquarium. Those moments, it was just magical.
0: So Magical. what was some of the feedback that your parents felt? Because I remember, yeah, I mean, you <laughs> explained very vividly that your mother was afraid of the dragons and she was like, oh, this is not happening. But now, I mean, that she's been to China. What was some of the things that she said? She loved it. Yeah.
1: She loved it. The food, the weather, because they came around, was was like summer, springish. Oh, okay. So she was very very happy and she loved their breakfast i was like oh look at you ma'am um so she was fond of the porridge um the shui jiaozi the dumplings uh, in water she loved that and she loved the fact that like when she walked around like if they got lost especially in the hutongs you could find someone to communicate with so that it kind of like it kind of eased whatever crazy thoughts that she might have had knowing like oh my god how was she going to like maneuver mm. so like that kind of relaxed her a little bit and just also just china's just futuristic it just everything is just so modernized the fact that people don't use cash anymore it's just everything yeah it's,
0: it's kind of like, cool huh? exactly
1: yeah, like everyone was just like this is amazing so like i remember i remember the funniest part um the traffic oh to them it was like what? I remember my dad even saying, take a picture, take a picture, take a picture of me with all the cars behind. I'm like, Dad, this is just traffic. <laughs> he was like, I want to show all my friends back home. I'm like, no, I'm not going to take this picture. He's like, take the picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like so many cars piled up. And just the fact that outside, there are people. Inside the subway, there are people. Just walking around. There's just like a lot of people. Everyone is just busy. It's just, Things are moving constantly, 24 hours a day. So that to them, and also the safety here that there is in China, because sometimes I'll call my mom around like 10 p.m. here. She'll be like, where are you? It's dark. I'm like, yeah, I'm taking a jog outside. A jog outside? I'm like, mom, here we go again. It's safe here, we've got like street lights, They've um, there's security guards at like different places. If I scream, someone is gonna hear me. It's fine. So when they finally came here, I remember I took them to Wang Fujing and we spent the whole day there. By the time we got back to the hotel, it was like 9, 10. She was like, hmm, mm-hmm. it's safe. I see what you were saying.
0: Not sure if you had the experience, but it's always nice to be surprised, of course in a positive way like this. Sharing these kind of hallmark moments with family, some would say, is what life is all about. Being in the media industry, Hilda's journey in that realm has been to inform and educate on both sides, acting as a bridge between her country and China. She also happens to be the host of a show in Beijing called The Big Mouth. And though the implications might be self-explanatory, we talked about where the idea of the show came from and its purpose. Let's hear it.
1: (laughs) I actually didn't realize that my mouth was that big because now my directors were like, Hilda, we've got a pitch for you. Would you like to like take a listen? I was like, okay, cool. What is it about? And then they had the whole entire show. So now the only thing that we didn't have was the name. And then my friend was just like, what about the big mouth? And I was like, um, what are you trying to say? I was like, girl, oh, you loud. <laughs> I was like, no, stop. I was like, yeah, you're always talking. It's like a radio over there. It's just like, yibby yibby yabba, 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 yabba. Like, you always know what is going on. And this just goes all the way back in, like in, in school. I was just always talking. I'm just always like a chatterbox. So when they said the Big Mouth show, this is you. You're just bright, vibrant, loud, and you love to talk why don't we have a show like this? And I was like, okay, no problem. Um, The purpose of the Big Mouth is sort of to educate our African audience on what's going on around the world, also including Africa. So that was the purpose of Big Mouth, just if we have any quirks or anything that like, they would like to like know what's going on in China, that's what we would use to like educate them. So anything that we would like to kind of research or bounce back on to see maybe what would the Chinese audience think of this? Or what would uh, our African audience think of this? So we've got a variety of um, other people, hosts that we can kind of bounce back on so we make sure that our content doesn't offend anyone. So I would like to think that, yeah, we are sort of educating each other on the misconceptions of what the chinese people might think of africans or what africans might think of china in different perspectives entertainment wise history wise business wise that's sort of like what we're kind of using that so like usually on like special holidays like chinese um new year we always have a show on different platforms the news sports entertainment, makeup, anything like that. So we use that to kind of educate and get our own feel as from back home to mix it in together and just sort of bond the two together.
0: Bridging that gap and being an ambassador between two countries is a huge responsibility that many will never know. Like all expats adjusting to a new country, status quo and environment, The process of bridging knowledge gaps in people who may or may not be willing to understand more about you can be really difficult. On the subject of difficulty, the COVID-19 outbreak of 2020, according to the World Health Organization, has led to a dramatic loss of human life worldwide, in addition to unprecedented challenges to public health, food systems, employment, air travel, and many other sectors. For many people, traveling internationally was unavailable, so being with loved ones in critical times was impossible. Like many that year and the following, Hilda experienced the loss of her father in 2021. Being unable to go home at his passing, she shares with us what it was like and how she got through.
1: Uh, just um, trying to wrap my head around the fact that he's not here. Or like if I need help with anything that he's not here and the fact that I couldn't fly back home for his funeral and the whole process had to be done online and network issues I am here all alone my sister is also in another place my mom is the one that's back home with my little sister so that in itself the fact that we couldn't even be together was the most painful part of it all and the fact that now my job as much as I loved it at this point it kind of worked as a double-edged sword because it's a place where I go to kind of like have fun because I love what I do but also when you're in front of the camera you're required to just be happy and smile and the show must go on and even like after they'd given me time to grieve and mourn A loss of a parent, it's something that no one really prepares you, because you just feel like you've lost a big chunk of yourself, and now when you go back to work, people will try to sympathize with you, but they don't really realize that you also... now are lost in a way you don't really know what's going on with yourself. Mm-hmm. So being in the in front of the camera and smiling and laughing whilst you're hurting on the inside, or like having a mental breakdown in the bathroom, yeah, just that whole entire process.
0: Hilda mentioned how the loss of a parent is something that we can never really prepare for, and you never really know how it'll hit you when that time comes. What we do know. Is that our parents continue to live on through us in every place that we go everything that we do everyone that we touch and every milestone that is achieved on a lighter note hilda mentioned how her and her father were the same in terms of personality and competitiveness but i didn't realize to what extreme that someone could take that will to win so then i asked her what was the most outrageous thing she experienced here and nothing could prepare me for what came next. Here's what she said. <laughs>
1: um, this is coming like right after I just said my dad and I the same. So we're very competitive people. Let me just give like a little backstory. So we're very competitive in everything that we do, which is kind of, it could be problematic. And after this event, yeah, my mom was like, yeah, you girls, you need help. So it was so weird because we had gone outside of uh, the office to do like an outdoor shooting and then everyone was like um yeah let's all get in like cabs and go home and i was like no 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 no, no, no. i just want to ride my bicycle and enjoy just the breeze on my face and just enjoy it's just enjoy and then everyone was like okay do you i guess so now i'm on this bicycle i'm cycling to a subway station and this one guy, keep in mind I do not even know him, that we've never met, I don't know him. He cycles past me, and then something in my head, something psycho in my head goes, he just overtook you, girl, uh-uh-uh-uh. So now I cycle faster, and then I overtook him. And then I didn't know that he was also competitive. So now it became a thing, like, it became, an yeah. <laughs> It became an actual thing. So now we're like zooming past each other. Sometimes we are like cycle side by side and then like we look at each other like, oh, who's gonna get this? So now it's crazy. Even when I was telling my mom. So now we're cycling, we're cycling, we're cycling. So now I had overtook him because I think he stopped to, he dropped something. I was like, yes. So because we're racing to the subway station. So he dropped something. I was like, oh, yes, it's not like
0: this. This is just a random stranger.
1: Random stranger, Jamal. This is is...
0: (laughs) a local here. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> so now um, now we get to the traffic light. This is like the last the last lap. Like literally the, the, I could see the subway station. I could see the finish line at this point. And then, so now I'm at the traffic light and the one for like the pedestrians was Amber. And I was like, girl, we can make it. Amber means slow down. It does not mean stop. So let's go. So now like gear up, now I'm like really cycling. So now if I turn to the right, these are the cars that were coming this way. And then there was a Ferrari that was like right there. And this guy just revved his engine. And you know, those cars are loud. And that kind of startled me. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna die now. And then I started to cycle even faster. And now this guy, there was a scooter in front of me. His light was green in my head I was like so you've got exactly three seconds to move or this is not gonna end well for the both of us and then he didn't move and I just went right at the back of his scooter wheel and I flew like I, I just remember hearing myself "Mama!" and I just like flew with the whole entire bicycle his scooter was still standing like he was even shot because like the only thing the impact that he had was like Doof. and then he looked and then he sees this girl flying Mama! And I landed right on my face like I scraped part of my face lucky thank goodness for masks and then the mask kind of took majority of like the fall and then the guy who was competing with like he like sped up and the guy on the scooter helped me up (laughs) the guy (laughs) he even said this to me he was like you are crazy i would never forget this i would never forget this so they helped me to like get up and then um I picked up my bicycle and I put it on the curb, and of course, he won because he finally cycled to the subway and I couldn't anymore because now I was traumatized. And then the scooter guy was like, Are you okay? The scooter guy was like really concerned. I was like, Sir, I bumped into you. So he was like, Are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm so sorry. He's like, No, 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 it's fine. Are you sure you're fine? I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. So now I hadn't realized that my face was all messed up. Maybe that's why he was so concerned. And I was just like, okay. So now I was still in shock and I started laughing. I was like, oh, this was such a fun experience. And then I removed my mask and everything just changed because there was like blood stains on my mask. I was like, I have a shoot tomorrow morning. This is blood, what is going on? Now keep in mind, I also don't like blood. That's why I'm not, I didn't go into like med school regardless of the grades. So so I look and there's like blood on my mask. I'm like, oh my gosh, hold up. We have a shoot tomorrow. So I took out my phone. I'm looking at my face. I've got like a a grace under my eye, a big scar on my chin. I'm like, not even thinking that I've got wounds on my face. The first thing on my mind is, we have a shoot tomorrow morning. After that, I was like, let me just start cycling because, um, for the safety of my, myself and others. Um, yeah, I
0: yeah. would we'll say so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow. So it was so crazy. I remember even telling my mom the story, she was upset and my dad just laughed. He just laughed because he got it. He understood it.
0: <laughs> wow, talk about taking it too far. That experience showed a whole new spectrum of being driven, no pun intended. Lucky to have survived that eccentric experience I asked Hilda about some of the things that she was most proud of in her journey here in China. Here's what she shared.
1: I would say I'm most proud of the growth that I kind of went through in general, because I came here at such a young age and just seeing the person that I have become now, I would say I'm very proud of this Hilda because the Hilda back then, yikes Mm, yikes (laughs) so just like the growth and just me being here and what I'm most proud of is the work that I do because I love it and it's educational and knowing that my work is making a difference how so? to someone in terms of educating other people about different cultures and just I remember there's this show that we did called The Bond and it was questions of China and Africa and the people that won were winning TVs and certain things just based off general knowledge and just like learning certain things and just that in itself knowing that you're educating people, you're creating you know, a diverse mind back home in, in Africa. I am proud of, of doing that. I'm proud of the work that I do here.
0: There's a common belief among us expats that once you reach the 10-year mark in China, you've pretty much been localized and you won't be leaving anytime soon. At this point, I asked Hilda if she felt her time here was a chapter in her story or the remainder of her life novel. I then went on to ask her what she felt the motto of China has been for her. Here's what she said.
1: I would like to say it's a chapter. It's a very long chapter, but I would like to say this is this is a chapter. The Big Mouth has got a few more chapters to, to fill in, not knowing where just yet. <laughs> so yeah, this is definitely a chapter.
0: My last question is a little difficult, but if you had to give a motto for China, what would it be?
1: Oh, that's, um, I wouldn't say difficult. It's go big or go home. These guys, they go big or you go home. Everything they do is they just go big. I mean, for an instance, the Olympics, they went big. I was like, wow. I've never been so impressed to be in China. I was like, yeah, guys, I'm in China. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, we did that. (laughs) Everything they do. They just go big at it, as in the energy. If they're working hard towards something, it's a hundred. They just attack. If they do, they just always make sure they perfect everything and go big or go home at this point, yeah.
0: Okay, do you, do you think you picked up that philosophy too while you were here?
1: Oh yes, oh yes, like everything that I do, I'm not go big or go home. Like if we are not perfect, if we're not being the best at it, pack your bags. Otherwise, like, what, are, what are you doing? Why are you here if we are not going to just excel and be number one at it?
0: I'd say there was no better quote to conclude our interview. For those who didn't get a chance to witness the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics, the opening ceremony was a world shaking visual feast directed by renowned film producer, Zhang Mo. And just an FYI, some of his movies include The House of Flying Daggers and Hero with Jet Li. The ceremony utilized AI real-time interaction, naked eye 3D, augmented reality, and digital imaging fused with Chinese aesthetics. Definitely a visual feast that put the world on notice. Go big or go home is no doubt an ambiance that drives not only locals, but those of us who remain. Otherwise, as Hilda said, you may find yourself wondering what you're doing. I remember asking earlier if we were all headed in the same direction in life, but perhaps our destination isn't an actual place. And just maybe it's really a different way of seeing things. And through that evolution, we can be motivated and elevated to our full potential. So with that being said, I'd like to thank Hilda Mandigo for sharing with us her journey And I hope our listeners out there heard something meaningful or at least entertaining.